This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to an episode about boomerangs and yo-yos. First, before I say my name, I'm going to say that was the strangest sentence I've said this week. (laughs) I'm Sensei Michelle. I'm Sensei Jackie, and we've always heard that boomerangs and yo-yos started life as weapons. Today, we will find out the truth. Us, and I'm Landon, and I'm back here for a couple more days. Yay! That's (laughs) awesome. And another reason to yay is we are here with Sensei Derek today. Hey, everyone. So we don't really need to introduce Sensei Derek. He's here all the time. I'm sure we've already turned him into a regular, right? Yes. Oh, over and over. Okay. Definitely a regular on the blooper reel. (laughs) (laughs) We're just coming out in a few weeks, so we'll have some fun with that. Let's just jump right in, shall we? Us. I think we're going to start with yo-yos. Am I correct? Us, Sensei. I'll start us out. Like Sensei Jackie said, karate people have always heard that boomerangs and yo-yos started as weapons. Yes. But according to a 2018 article in Esquire magazine, the yo-yo as a weapon isn't going to take long because it wasn't one. Wah, wah, wah. That's a myth that was started by the Duncan Yo-Yo Company. Mm, Seriously, that's, that's funny. pretty <laughs> terrible marketing strategy. <laughs> but back in the day, you couldn't check it. But here are some more details according to Timothy James Demokali a science writer. Even though people want to believe the yo-yo originated from the Philippines and the act of tying a rock to a string and throwing and retrieving the rock, it's really just not true. So they're not saying that they didn't throw the rock with the string. Right. Mm -hmm. They're saying there's no relationship between the two things. They wouldn't classify it as a weapon. They wouldn't classify the yo-yo as a weapon. Right, exactly. But the rock with the string, awesome idea. (laughs) I say we tuck that one in our back pocket and always keep string in our back pocket. (laughs) And, and you know, Sensei, the earliest records of yo-yos go back all the way to ancient Greece. I did not know that. In the article, Demacali says that there is a vase from 440 BCE showing a boy playing with a yo-yo. And the important part is that he was playing with it. It's a toy. All right. I know you guys are right because ThoughtCo.com says the only toy older than the yo-yo is the doll. Mm. That is such a cool piece of trivial knowledge. Well, who said the doll can't be a weapon? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they are pretty scary looking. It could be a weapon to your eyes. Can't you (laughs) imagine like Barbie or Chucky? Anyway, we're proponents of everything is a weapon. Us. But that's another story. We're talking about over the history of time, dolls, which were not always made out of the things they're made out of now, right? Mm-hmm. No, no. In the olden days, they were made out of different things. But that cool piece of knowledge of a doll would be fun if anybody was trying to um, play a trivia game with you, <laughs> right? Mm. True. And you just happen to know it. True. And it's good for small talk at a party, too. That's true. But, you know, I read a theory on why there's a connection of yo-yos to the Philippines. Okay. There was a man named Pedro Flores, and back in the 20s, he made the toy popular. Also, he may have popularized the actual word yo-yo from his native language, which was yokano. If so, the word means come, come, or come back. I'm coming. And and I couldn't figure out which one it was, come, come, or come back. They, they, it was just all over the map when I was trying to read about it. Mm. Wasn't that true with you two? Yes, but it's probably the, it probably means the same thing exactly. in some sort of uh, phrase. Well, there's conflicting information <laughs> on whether it's come, come, or come back. But there's also conflicting stories 
about the origin. Some people say it came from China, others say India, but all the reputable sites that have been updated since 2016 agree that it was a toy. So I guess we can agree on one thing. <laughs> yes. And can I just say, yo-yos rock. They are so cool. Nice. Oh, I made a little yeah. thing back to the other <laughs> one. I didn't mean it. Um, they're awesome. And I think one day we should pick up a few yo-yos at the Dollar Tree mm -hmm. and play with them and aim them at things and see what happens. I think it would be fun. Us. I will say that the thought process of aiming the yo-yo and having it come back reminds me when we were using chucks and we do a little mm -hmm. snap strike when we flip it back. It does. Us. I think I saw a yo-yo used as a weapon in a karate movie in my lifetime. Really? Mm. Yes. I cannot remember anywhere or, or what movie or what year or anything. So if you are out there and you know the answer to that quandary, <laughs> yes, let us know. Hey, do you want to let them know since this is your last couple of episodes for the summer or should I do it? I'll let them know. Okay. You can contact us all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. Go to wildcatdojo.com to see an archive of all of our episodes and some other cool information. We're all over social media at Wildcat Dojo, except on Instagram. We're at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. And you can always send us an email if you want to be old school, which I guess email's old school now. Go to dojoconversations at aol.com. Thanks, Landon. So although we had a lot of fun with yo-yos, we have to get on to boomerangs. And that will also be, let's call it interesting, because they were weapons. Mm. It's definitely right? going to be a flying conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get us going by just getting all the sites out of the way. Uh, us. First, there was nma.gov.au, and that's the National Museum of Australia. And we used a new site this time called madehow.com. I think that's a cool name. Yes. Uh, of course, we used Britannica, and we always have to touch on Wikipedia a little bit. Otherwise, I'm just sad. Well, now that we have the uh, housekeeping, as they would say, out of the way, <laughs> boomerangs have been around for at least 23,000 years. Mm. They have aged well. Uh, <laughs> but historians aren't sure where boomerangs first appeared, but Australia is the country that we commonly connect the boomerang to. Us. Uh, but that wasn't the only place they were used. In 1986, a 23,000-year-old mammoth tusk was found in Poland. It was carved into the shape of the boomerang. That just makes me excited. You know, <laughs> the, the idea of somebody carving a curved weapon out of a piece of bone. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of facts going already, so I'm going to pull us back to Australia. The oldest one found there was 10,000 years old, and it was found in 1973 in southern Australia. Wow. But I've got a how old are they fact. Okay, we're ready. They found paintings of boomerangs dating back 20,000 years in northwestern Australia. So basically what I'm hearing is that boomerangs are as old as time. Nice. And people who study history all agree that they were probably used on more than one continent, and they also think boomerangs were developed in Australia, Germany, India, and Egypt throughout different parts of ancient history. That does track with all the other weapons we've ever studied, doesn't it? Archery and kabuto have yes. all been kind of a worldwide trend, mm -hmm. and they just didn't know each other was doing it, because why? They didn't have social media. Well, the <laughs> <laughs> mastodon.com. <laughs> well, uh, 
Those episodes were uh, a long time ago. Yes, they um, were. So, Sensei, will you remind people of those by tagging them in the show notes? That is my plan, young man. I almost rhymed it. So now let's get to what were they used for and how were they made? All right. I'll kick this one off. They were definitely used for hunting birds, kangaroos, emus, and other animals. I read that a skilled hunter could throw a boomerang 100 meters, which, get this, is approximately 328 feet for all us Americans. Some of the senseis just went throwing yesterday, and hopefully they can share their experiences uh, with us and how they enjoyed it, considering I didn't even know what it was until the other day, and I totally thought you threw it at a wall. And I asked Sensei Jackie, I said, well, what are you throwing it at? And she's like, in the air. And I'm like, no, isn't the point that you throw it at a wall and then it comes back? She's like, no, Landon, it curves in the air. (laughs) It is supposed to return. Yes. Anyway, I'm going to share one thing. We did not get it 328 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, where are we? Are we back on facts? I think we are. I think we are back on facts. Well, I have one anyway. Boomerangs were and are still um, two kinds. They have returning and non-returning. I didn't know that until we started this research. Did you guys? No, since I thought only returning. But it does sound Shakespearean. You know, to return (laughs) or not to return, that is the question. (laughs) To be or not to be. Exactly. (laughs) True. But a skilled hunter can throw it directly at an animal or have it ricochet off the ground and hit their prey. I read an example of hunting on the NMA site, and it said that a hunter might throw a returning boomerang into a flock of birds to send them scattering. At that point, they have nets set up to catch the prey. Ew. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way, but... <laughs> but overall, it's an amazing hunting tactic. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The strategy is amazing. And to add on to that, I also found some information about the name boomerang. No one knows where the word came from, but there is a story that it may have come from a scream that people in Britain heard in 1788. The cry was Boomaro, which means return stick. It was screamed by an Australian indigenous tribesman, but another source says that the name derives from a word used by the Tuatha tribe in New South Wales, meaning come back. Another controversy, said St. Derek. We can't even figure out where it came from first or yes. what it, what the name means. I'm glad you're here to take the uh, controversial topic because typically I have to uh, take the burden of that. Sensei <laughs> well, have- wants me to be the one that gets in trouble. <laughs> that gets the mail. <laughs> but it was two in one in one sitting. That's a lot for us. Oh, yeah, We're setting a record. <laughs> oh, that might be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like it when they don't know exactly what everything is from historical facts. It means there's so much more to learn. Us. Right. Exactly. And, and so many people that can theorize about everything. Yes. Either way, everyone agrees the most famous hunters and fighters using boomerangs were the indigenous people of Australia. And we read that medium weight boomerangs could be deadly and that a large boomerang, one that is two meters or about six feet long, can be used like a bow. That's a, a very long, heavy boomerang. Right. And when Absolutely. we talk about throwing, we're going to say, whoo, for anybody who threw a six-footer. Oh. I mean, we throw bows just for fun but in the dojo, but not across, in a curvy right. way, not like a baseball. Mm-hmm. So that's really something, isn't it? And to add on to that, what 
I thought that a boomerang was. Non-returning uh, boomerangs were used in Egypt, India, and by in- the indigenous people of both Arizona and California. Mm. Which obviously weren't called Arizona and California at the time, <laughs> but I-, I didn't know how else to write it. So if you're going to yell, yell at Landon. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be here, so you won't hear it. That's fair. <laughs> That's valid. And one more very cool use is that the boomerangs were used as a flint to create a spark and make a fire. Ah, amazing. I mean, uh, we actually uh, messed around with flints before. Um, that was cool. It was right? cool. Very interesting. Um, I think Sensei Jay was with us at that time. Yeah, he brought him in for us. Uh, uh, but like most things, becoming proficient is very much a test of patience, 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 and hard work. <laughs> <laughs> hard work, hard work, hard work. I don't know why yeah. they didn't add constant repetition. <laughs> All right, I'm jumping in with a fact about the newer versions of boomerangs. They can have irregular shapes, which we all saw online. Mm. I was super uh, surprised about us. that. Me too. Us. They can have more than two arms. They spin ridiculously fast. So they spin about ten revolutions per second. Wow! Right. I don't know how they even see that. It must be like a camera or something set up. I don't know. Um, but to add on to that, the non-returning boomerang is longer, straighter, and heavier than the returning ones. It is a weapon that could kill birds and seriously injure humans. I did see one in the Cold Steel catalog, and I was very tempted to buy it uh, just to see how it works. But they did have it unlisted as of right now. Oh, so there you go, guys. Don't try to buy it right this minute. But if you do know anything about boomerangs, please tell us. Your secret. We want to know their secret, right? Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. But the Cold Steel Company. You could just scroll that site all day, couldn't you? <laughs> Those amazing like, knives and throwing knives, throwing uh, swords. Everything. Interesting. It it's, is definitely the Karatika's Disney World. <laughs> Very much. That was funny. Okay, let's move on to how they were and how they are now made. Yes. The tradition was this. The wood they selected mattered. Back in the day... The wood needed to be already having the 90 to 110 degree mm. curve. Us. And it had to have enough mass to be able to carve the weapon flat. Then, after the wood was reshaped with an axe or a similar tool, they would finish it with a flint or sandpaper, and finally they would seal it with oil or paint. We talked a lot about the history of axes in an episode of the same name, so I'm going to tag that one in because even though axes is one of the oldest weapons, they didn't look like the way we think of it. They were literally just a piece of stone with a sharp edge. Mm-hmm. I'm taking this from memory because it was like a couple of years ago, but I believe it was made out of flint. I believe it was one of the Yeah, because that's one of the softest stones. Yes. Also, on a YouTube channel called Triwood1973, I saw some interesting things about how they are made currently. Oh, cool. One way is that they glue together thin laminated pieces. They shape it with steam, fine-tune it through sanding, and that brings up an interesting thing. The two wings are contoured in opposite directions, and that, my friends, is the magic ingredient that makes it return. Yes. Theoretically. (laughs) (laughs) Did they not return? Uh, Well, I'm saving it for then. That's oh, a conversation for later on. Spoiling, I'm sorry. But it is amazing. And I'll add that these days boomerangs are often made of aircraft grade plywood. It's a time saver because no shaping and steam are needed until the very end when they contour the wings, uh, making the wings aerodynamic and like you said, returnable. Well, you know what? 
I can't wait to tell the stories or, as they say, fiascos of our throwing day. But first, I have another fact. We're ready. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Some of us are ready. Boomerangs remained kind of obscure until about 1970, when the Smithsonian Institute gave a seminar about them. There was so much interest in the seminar that the Smithsonian started sponsoring annual tournaments on the National Mall. The first one was held in 1981. And now it's grown so much, there is a United States Boomerang Association. Along with an international federation of boomerang associations. Seriously, would you ever have thought of that? No. I, have no. I never would. There's a there's a committee and an organization <laughs> for everything. <laughs> everything. So let's round Robin some fun facts about the USBA. Oh, Sensei, I'll start us off. They recently hosted their 35th annual Gateway Classic Tournament. Uh, some of the events included trick catching, accuracy, fast catch, and endurance. And endurance is the most fast catches someone could do in five minutes. And we found some records in the endurance category. A guy named Eve Kays had 80 catches. And the long-distance throw has a record holder named Manuel Schwartz of Switzerland with 238 meters, almost 800 feet. And in 2017, Mr. Schultz set a fast catch record of five catches in 14.07 seconds. Wow. That is really amazing. Now, I'm going to finish this part up with a quote they supposedly tell all beginners. Are you guys ready? Yes. Remember, you are the target. (laughs) It's simple. I know. It sounds so silly. It's simple, to the point, and a perfect segue into our experience in throwing, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I shopped at Colorado Boomerangs. I bought a beginner boomerang for $30, and I would totally recommend the company, but I would recommend you upgrade a little bit from the $30 range. Mm. There's nothing wrong with the company at all. I completely recommend them. Uh, And before we recount our glory or uh, debacles. Yes. Can I mention how they say you should throw it? That was Uh, smart. uh, The technique is pretty simple. They say, hold it vertically by one end and quote, unquote, hurl it. At the last second, snap the wrist. And a site called productsmade.com said some specifics. If there's no wind, throw it horizontal. And the more wind, the higher you should throw. And you shouldn't throw directly into the wind. Instead, throw like you're tacking into the shore if you are selling. So throw it to the right or left of the wind, not into it. And they also suggest catching it between your hands as if you were clasping a sandwich. And that part is very much easier said than done. (laughs) I'm going to spoiler alert our experience right now. The only person who made a catch yesterday was Derek. He got one. And I was so impressed. I was like, damn. And that's because you think it's going to go a little farther. So you come out to get it, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't. It stops here and goes it's straight It's like a bad down. game of football. So <laughs> for any of you in our listing area who have played pickleball, it is almost exactly the same thing as when the wiffle ball comes at you and you think it's going to keep going, but then it just drops and it does oh, it over Look at you, pickleball expert. I know. <laughs> I played once. Pickleballexperience.net. <laughs> okay. Our experience. Oh, mm. gosh. Who wants to start? I'll, I'll go first. The boomerang is for this one was much lighter than we expected. Agreed. But then you said that when you were watching some videos, the experts are using ones that are oh, even right. lighter. Oh, mm-hmm. So obviously it wasn't the rang. 
<laughs> it was us. It was the boom. The boomers. <laughs> the boomers. <laughs> you were the only non-boomer there. Said oh, my God. I will say, uh, yeah, I did watch some videos on trick catching, fast catching, endurance, like the accuracy, the ones that they do, we mentioned earlier. And the ones that they use are half the size of the ones we had bought. And so I, I would say, say ours is about 12 inches from tip to tip. Mm-hmm. And our curve looks to be a li- it's definitely over 90 degrees. So it's more like 110 degrees. I would mm-hmm. say that. But when they fling it, like we were doing it very soft in comparison. They were throwing it how you would throw, like you see like pitchers, throw a 90 mile per hour fastball. One leg comes up and one leg goes out and this thing whips in the air and it goes so fast that it's very hard to like keep an eye on it. We took a video and we're going to put it on Instagram. So check us out there so you can see. It's actually of Sensei Derek. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. All right. What are you going to say? I loved the idea of throwing a boomerang and then I got it in my hand. And um, (laughs) when I threw it the first time, it hit the ground immediately. I obviously didn't have the right trajectory to get it up in the air and catch the air. I believe it was Sensei Jay that asked me if I was trying to get the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the experts, the way they throw it, it, it bounces off the floor and hits the prey. So yeah. you were like, you're one step ahead of us already. You're right. You were there. You're like 75% an expert. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I, it's hard on the body to keep going. Because it's just one one arm, one, one arm, arm and one it's shoulder, the, wrist, the shoulder, the elbow, and the shoulder over and over and over. Right, and I'm sure that once you have the technique, it's less hard on your body. We had fun. With oh, it. so it was a good time. It was a little bit drizzly rain, and since Derek mentioned that maybe that dampness in our wood may have mm. affected its trajectory, but to be honest with you, we weren't that great, so we wouldn't have known <laughs> if the trajectory. Just blame was it on affected. the. Just blame it on the wood. On the on the water, right? But I'm going to say this. We did one thing that was smart. We spread out mm-hmm. far from each other. And that way, if it came back to us, we could pick it back up because it didn't actually come back to our feet. Right. Like you're the mm-hmm. target. Yeah. No, we would have had to run 20 feet to the side to be the target. <laughs> well, no, I rephrase. Sensei Derek would have had to run 20 <laughs> feet to the side. The rest of us would have had to run about 50. Straight ahead. <laughs> you got a couple to return. I got a I couple did. to curve. A and couple. Sensei Lydia got a couple to curve a little bit. But the point is why that was a smart move was because then we could actually keep a game going and we're going to do it again with more people like in, at the end of a class just to give it a try and see, you know, have some fun with it. Yes. Yes. So we will let you know in um, future episodes if we get any better luck with it. And I will say if you are doing this for your first time, make sure you have plenty of space. Try to get as open of a field as you possibly can oh, yes. away yeah. from people. Trees. Trees, but people, um, <laughs> power lines, stuff Animals, like that. Animals, I mean, all sorts of things, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to finish off by saying this, and then you guys tell me if you agree, okay? Mm-hmm. I think that this experience is an example of how you really have to do something thousands upon thousands of times to become very good at it. We did a whole episode on what you do a lot of, you become very good at, and this is yep. a perfect nice. example. Oftentimes we talk about that from the standpoint of courtesy or courage or one of our internal Mm -hmm. traits, but we have a great example now of a technical trait. We also have an example of why not try it? Yeah. Oh no, Mm -hmm. I'm all for trying new things. Yes. I don't think Landon that they're going to be able to buy a boomerang at Honor Athletics, of course. No, but there's too much to list that Cynthia has in stock. So where should they find more information? I say they call. Ah, that's a good one. 
770-945-5150. And I think if you just scroll down, you can click the link for Honor Athletics right there. And don't forget to mention Wildcat Dojo for your 10% discount. That's it, guys. That is what we have on Boomerangs and Yo-Yos. And we will keep everybody posted on our Yo-Yo slash Boomerang experience. We'll be in the sure future. to uh, circle back. Ah! <laughs> Sorry, I had to. No, that was awesome. So start the goodbyes then. Bye, everyone. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed and laughed with us. And, and learned a thing or two. I don't mind that. <laughs> I'm all about learning about cool old weapons. Yes. And on that note, I'm going to sign us out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations. You think the penguins use them in Antarctica? (laughs) For fish hunting? (laughs) I'm not going to touch that one. They do have walruses there, so. (laughs) Oh!